Welcome back to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we bring together the community to explore more about life inside the school from the point of view of pupils, staff and parents. In each episode, we'll be in conversation with members of the school community to delve deeper into life at Ipswich School. So let's get into this episode right now of Conversations with Ipswich School. So hello and welcome again to Conversations with Ipswich School. Today we're talking about our academic lecture series and specifically to Flora who gave us a fascinating and insightful lecture on women as weapons of war. Hi Flora. Hi. Thank you for joining us again because you've been on a podcast before. Um, Welcome. How's it going? What inspired you to do this lecture? Yeah so obviously this lecture is on a quite tough Mm. topic so I had read a book um, called Our Bodies, Their Battlefields, which is uh, done by a journalist called Caroline Lamb. And it's basically about multiple conflicts that she reported on that she experienced firsthand um, from different uh, survivors, what it was actually like. Um, and she kind of covered, she mainly covered the Middle East because that's where she worked as a as a mm. war journalist, but kind of went back into the history of it a bit and spoke about it. Um, and that kind of just really inspired me to investigate it. When I did the lecture, I said during it that one of the other reasons was that we don't do very many women in history and we don't mm. really talk about women's experiences in history. And I felt like this gave me the opportunity to do these women justice and yeah. actually talk about them and I did two of the countries that I studied are both on my A-level syllabus um, and during that we'd very briefly mentioned women in one of them because it's on the syllabus and in the other hadn't mentioned them at all yeah. so I felt like it was kind of a development of actually my A-level and gave me a bit of a deeper insight into that as well as just my interest in history and in that in general I guess so really so you talked about this before and I know it's on I know the history department talk about this a lot actually it's it's the curriculum could do with being more expensive is that something that you feel definitely I think that I mean we have these conversations I've had this conversation with multiple of the girls in my history class where we have said that you know we can't really name the only two women we can name Mm. in like two-thirds of our course are both mistresses and that's like it um and then in germany the germany section of my a level there is a a section on life and Mm. women come under that and that was kind of the only other time and it's mainly unnamed women it's kind of just women's experiences in general so that's kind of the before that i mean suffragettes in year nine (laughs) and that's like it uh gcse there's really nothing on women because it's a lot of uh kind of international relations so the cold war and obviously there aren't very many women involved in the top position so it's kind of a dual problem of the actual issue of history itself yeah and women not being included in the academic writings of history but also alongside how exam boards choose to put things on syllabus what they choose to put things on like what things they choose to put on syllabuses so it's it's a dual it's not one thing or the other it's kind of multiple it's it's, combined Okay, fascinating. So, so the book inspired you that that set you off on your on your research and your journey. Can you give us a really brief uh, summary of the lecture? <laughs> yeah, I attended it. This is for our audience. Yeah, so it's it's kind of difficult to kind of shorten, but um, I started by talking about just violence, sexual violence against women in in general, 
Mm -hmm. Um, So throughout history, spoke about the Greeks, the Romans, uh, really ancient history and how that tracks through to modern day because that was one of the big things that I realised is that it's not new. It's not a new thing. Um, Even though the most research into it has been done in modern wars, it's something that has existed throughout all of history. And I think that's one of the scary things when you start looking into it. I am sadly not a very classical historian. (laughs) I've never been much of a fan. I'm very much uh, 21st century. I mean, maybe I'll go back to the 1800s (laughs) if I'm feeling a little bit... Pushing it. (laughs) So I did not go with um, (laughs) the Greeks and Romans as the focus of of my lecture. I chose to do 20th century conflicts. So I did three kind of focus wars you could say or focus countries Mm. and did them chronologically so i started in ireland which is on our a-level syllabus Mm -hmm. and i started with the war of independence and then also spoke about the civil war that happened in ireland and they kind of very much overlap and are very difficult to separate because they happen back to back so if you want to talk about it you have to talk about it as a period. So it's about 1919 to 1923. And I spoke about kind of specific things that were going on and specific ways violence was used against women in that particular Mm. period. And one of the interesting things about that conflict in particular was because Ireland was a very Catholic country at the Mm -hmm. time, a lot of the kind of tactics towards women were based in that. So there's that's the reason for a lot of the events that happened yeah. um, and the treatment of women was kind of based in it with things like hair shorning, so cutting mm-hmm. women's hair as kind of like a mark of, of shame. I think in that way can't be discarded. So yes, I see what you mean. It was something that pe- women had to live with. If yes. it happened to them, you know, they had to carry it around with them and people knew they were at fault for one side or the other. Um, and that's kind of how it continues throughout but one of the other things is the language that's used around the war in Ireland and the treatment mm. of women is that it's often very coded because of uh, because of the culture at yeah. that point. And afterwards, there's just so much coded language that people haven't been able to track the scale of sexual violence. So it's like attacks or <laughs> further assaults. And that is actually what they're implying, but it's not specifically said. So I if see. you look for it, you're not going to find it. If you look for the word rape, you wouldn't find that word. I see. So that's where I started. And that was a very emotional topic to, yeah. to research. But you sound, I mean, it feels to me like very forensic. Yeah, it analysis. was really, I mean, there's not very much research into it at the moment. It was probably the most difficult one to research okay. just because it's a very new, uh, it's a very, very new field. Mm-hmm. Um and the discussion of that period is also very new. Mm. Um, things are still coming out about it. You know, there's all this stuff. Um, and it's a very touchy period yeah. um, for everyone involved. Mm. And so I think uh, it's, yeah, there's a professor um, at the University of Maynooth who's um, called Linda Connolly. And she was like my main person. I used her research so much. Yeah. And I'd re- recommend her to anyone who okay. wants to know more. But she really was the person who I had to turn to because there was just so little research into it other than that which was kind of it was difficult it was yeah. a lot of like scro- like trawling through things trawling through newspaper articles and stuff like that that I found or that was on archives and so that made made some of the elements yeah. of it a little bit more difficult yeah. I guess fascinating though yeah very 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 interesting and um there's a lot of 
it's growing. There's interest in it is growing and mm. that's a really big benefit to everyone. Um, there's even a documentary on it that's in Irish, it's not in English, but it's fantastic and it that was another thing that I used and kind of took notes from but it is definitely a growing area of interest. So you started with something that was really hard mm. that actually showed how much detective work is done yeah. in history. And then what, what did you move on to? So I then went and did Germany in 1945. So that is mainly named Year Zero um, by kind of academics, but also by historians. It's, it's Year Zero because it's the start of the new Germany that we kind of know today. But really, sexual violence is very prominent throughout World War II, especially when the tides begin to turn. You know, there's a lot of anger towards the end of the war, towards everyone, really. Um, and especially, yeah. the so you have the Russians coming from the east um, and pushing back across Eastern mm. Europe. And that seemed to be where I found the most uh, information on what was going on. And also the highest numbers of victims was from that just because of the course of the war in Russia okay. and uh, the events of Stalingrad and Leningrad, you know, that there was a lot of anger from that. Yeah. So then that came across in the way that women were treated yeah. as they were advancing because any one they came across for a lot of soldiers was, that was who they blamed. Yeah. Um, okay. And there's a lot of alco <laughs> alcohol, um, sadly, within the Russian army that kind of led to a lot of mm -hmm. these incidents um and especially during the occupation of germany by the ussr then kind of throughout that year you just see this massive increase in 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 rapes and sexual violence and so many stories and there's photos of it which mm. is really a very new thing by that point before that you don't have photos of any of it but you know there were other allied soldiers in germany and there were women in germany who were documenting it and that's kind of where the difference comes in there's yeah. just so much out there so many victim testimonies now uh there weren't for about 40 years so <laughs> the first woman to publish her name alongside her account of her rape by a soviet soldier was in 1997 really um, yeah so so that's so much later and i think that really shows the shame that surrounded it yeah and it wasn't it really wasn't discussed um but you know this is a country that was devastated germany was devastated um as was russia as was eastern europe yeah so it was an a lot of people see it as just anger based mm. um and just so much anger towards the german people and they didn't have the way to take it out on yeah the, the military or, or men because there weren't men to, do, to take it out on so women were who they turned to um and it's very there's so many stories about it now but obviously they just really weren't and it wasn't spoken about um people knew it was happening mm. i think that's the quite disturbing thing about it people knew that these women were experiencing these things but no one was talking about it so when you say people you mean just the yeah, local like community because there's stories your neighbors of, your yeah, friends there's stories of people being kind of pushed out of communities okay. when it's come out what's yeah. happened um especially when with children because there's areas of germany that are very religious yeah. and obviously there's people would keep their children or they'd have the children of these soviet soldiers and out of wedlock yeah know, and have experienced these horrific events and communities would push them out because of it so i think that's where it's kind of the 
although all of it seemed to be how horrible humanity is it's mm. the kind of how other people respond to it mm. um, and the shame that really that was the thing that was the most horrifying theme throughout all of the research that I did was just shame is what drove every, these people to not talk about it for yeah. 40, 50, so 60 that years. All of science. Yeah, and okay. that goes beyond um, women in war. That goes for women full stop. You know, mm. shame is what silences people. And that was very much the experience of yeah. most women in that point. So where did you head off next? Uh, Rwanda. Okay. So I did the Rwandan genocide in, which is 1994 mm-hmm. to about 1990 six and yeah that was particularly horrific because it was it's ethnically based Mm. and possibly some of the most brutal accounts i read were from that one it's obviously more modern and there was much more discussion and much more interviews were done um surrounding it and i think that's really why you can tell and you can feel the kind of the horrifying nature of a lot of it but yeah the ethnic motivations of it make it a very different type of sexual violence in war compared to the other two i think they each kind of the reason i chose the three of them was because mm. they each fell very specifically into different categories of sexual violence so okay. in ireland it was very much about like marking people mm-hmm. and punishing people it was this person has informed the police or this person is uh, married to an ira member that's what it was about and then in germany it's revenge yeah and then in rwanda it was ethnicity so it kind of divides them up and that is throughout history how it's kind of been in one of those three categories so those are the three main that's, categories yeah, so you'd that's say kind okay of what i would argue that's yeah. my theory that's your thesis it. yeah but in rwanda yeah it was completely ethnically motivated and the murders that took place at the same time just the behaviors in mm. general but it was there was kid there was a lot of kidnapping of women mutilation it's mm. there's a lot it's really is the uh, the most horrific one that i i researched and also had the highest number of um it's obviously post the hiv crisis the aids mm. crisis and that was something that they they used against women in in this conflict purposefully um and so there were a lot more long-standing again long-standing also quite public events and mistreatments of women that made it very difficult to hide so this is the only one that I can talk about and can talk about the ending of and the punishment of people involved in it. So it's the first time that people were charged for sexual violence as a war crime is in Rwanda and it's by the UN. And they did, they had a whole investigation into it and thousands of men were accused of it under it. And yeah, it's the first one where multiple people are punished. Uh, the first one where a woman is punished as well for inciting sexual violence okay. against women and i think that although it's the most brutal it's also the most satisfying in the end you can't undo what yeah. was done to these women but there is some sense of justice that they have been rightfully punished for not only inciting it but also for doing it um because that was what was being encouraged um it was people higher up who were encouraging it and who were perpetuating it within their militaries so i think that's that's why I chose to end there yeah. was because, you know, that's the progression that was made. In 2008, the UN stated that sexual violence is a war crime, which was a massive deal. Um, yes. But right, right far back until 1918, you know, it's agreed that it is a war crime. Um, it just took the UN until 2008 to release a statement saying that. So it's kind of 
it's okay. two sides of the same, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a massive improvement, but we've still got a long way to go. So there's some, so some real, really big landmarks happening, some, yeah. some good decisions in mm. your view. Do you have any sense of how, how do you feel about the future in this sense? I feel quite positive about the future that it's being discussed mm. and that we know that people are being punished for it and that people can be punished for it. Yeah. I think in the same way that in society in general, I think there's a lot of of pessimism about any claims that it's going to stop I think that's where you can't really at any point say that but I do think that there is comfort in the fact that people will be punished and people can be punished and I think that starts with kind of opening up conversations about it and educating people on it and that's when you get more comfortable and can have those conversations so I think the fact that like I said in Ireland like starting to be investigated and analysed more is exactly what we need, especially in history, gradually becoming a more, you know, developed field of history, which is exactly what I want and that's exactly what should be happening. So I'm positive about history's <laughs> view of it. Yes, and okay. Explosion of it. Um and also the fact that people can be punished. I think that's really the yes. aim that you want. Yeah. So it's the it it's the it's the bringing this out into the open. Mm. It's the debate. It's the discussion. It's the journalism. Yeah. That that will help contribute yeah. to to seeing it decline. And I think to report on it in a balanced way, to report on it in a way that is not just. I think one of the things that I found when looking at Germany was, although I could find so much on Russia, I could find very very little on the Brits and the Americans and the French even though there are reports of what their soldiers were doing as well, which was uh, perhaps less brutal mm. and less widespread, but definitely still happening. And I think that's kind of the... There's, a, there's sometimes quite an imbalance between how certain things, sides of the conflict are reported. So I think that's something that I would I would try and look for now. Yes, okay. So not to be afraid of the nuance, mm. you know, not to accept a black and white answer yeah. about everything. Okay, that's really interesting. From your perspective, this mm. is a really harrowing topic. What did what personally did you gain from the experience of doing the research and doing the lecture? Yeah, so I think it was kind of a perfect thing for me to do. I thought about doing an EPQ and then I chose to do this over doing an EPQ. So it's kind of an interesting because they're both very research-based. Yeah. But I felt like for me, this was something that I wanted to do more of of doing kind of independent research i in honesty i did until probably about two weeks before no one else had seen it um you know so all of this research i'd done completely by myself um with not really you know talking to other people about it i kind of had run by mr clark what i was doing Um, i've been like oh by the way i'm doing these countries i'll send something to you right before (laughs) and that's kind of how i treated it i did it completely independently and that really worked for me that helped me develop my own like re- relying on myself for something um and also because I changed some of it quite about three or four weeks before I changed um originally I wasn't doing Ireland I was doing two later I was doing Bosnia so much later conflict so I was basically doing post World War Two conflict sorry I was basically doing post World War Two conflict instead of doing kind of across the entire hundred years and I decided to not do that about three weeks before and I wouldn't have been able to do that <laughs> so I think that was kind of those kind of things of that's like, quite brave yeah making decisions by myself and then being like I just ha- if this goes wrong yes okay. that's on me and kind of taking ownership of something but also public speaking so that was a really big thing yes I was going <laughs> to ask you about that is it scary yeah <laughs> it, is, it is okay it is but then it's not 
if okay. that. So I was really nervous and I had practiced before. I was like, can you hear me? No, can you actually hear me? Yeah. Am I speaking too quickly? I feel like I'm speaking too quickly. And I think it's about not overthinking it. So I started going and I just relaxed into it. And I find doing stuff like that, it's kind of shocking because I do find doing things quite easy. Like I'm... I find it easy talking to people. I don't struggle with that. Um, so I was kind of shocked by how nervous I actually was. I was like, why am I like this? I'm never like this. Yeah, but I think everyone everyone yeah. finds it nerve-wracking, don't they? Yeah, and especially I realised like how full the room was. And then I was like, oh my God, oh God, yes. I have to now speak in front of all these people. Um, benefit was I could hide the fact that my hands were shaking on the lectern. I was like, it's fine. <laughs> and then, yeah, about a few minutes in, I was already kind of relaxed Um and it's something I knew a lot about. And I think that was the other thing. I was confident in my knowledge. I think that's the kind of attitude you have going into it. You have to know it. If you don't know it and you're going in front of a room full of people to talk about something you don't know about, you're not going to... You you're know, just going to make the nerves worse. Yeah, yeah. so okay. I was very glad that I had researched it and gone into it as much as I had because I could just stand yeah. there and chat. But that's quite interesting, isn't it? If you, so basically you'll say, if you know your stuff, okay, it is a bit nerve-wracking. Yeah, and start with them. But actually you know more than most mm. people in the room. So just 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 go with the nerves for the first bit <laughs> yeah. and you'll just relax into <laughs> yeah. it. I was okay. like, do I have some weird irrational fear that someone's going to fact-check me on something? And I was like, that's no. not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, you know more than anyone probably in the room about the topic that you're talking exactly. about. So it's not something you should be worried about I think okay um so what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about this they might be a bit nervous yeah. they might be thinking it's a bit too much work I mean you've clearly done a lot of work <laughs> yeah so I I would definitely say think about it and think you know do I really love this topic because mm -hmm. I think passion for what you're talking about not only is what's going to get you chosen to do the lecture but also going to get you through doing it if you don't like what you're talking about you're not going to want to research it you're not going to and I want to do the work that you need to do to actually do it. And I think that's really the key thing is just to pick something you really love and you actually want to talk to people about and you want to educate people about. And if you do that, you will be fine. I think managing the workload is something that I found relatively easy. You know, the research was a thing. I kind of did it in random bits of spare time. Yes. I just like watched documentaries like before I went to bed and like bad idea but I did yeah, it <laughs> you yeah, know I yeah. do things like that and kind of shove it in whenever I had spare time and by the time I looked at the notes I collected I had a lot and I was like I don't really need to do anything else now oh my god and I, I yeah I think it's it's really about and that must relate to actually it being something that you that interests you so if you so yeah so it was just it's it, not a slog no it wasn't like I'm forcing myself to spend four hours two weeks before trying to get it done mm. it was very much a I just really like it and I'd think, oh, that's actually interesting. Or I'd come out of a history lesson and decide, I kind of want to look into this. Yeah. I kind of want to look into this person. Um, and I do that anyway. But this pushed me to kind of look into that that route. So it will obviously give you skills going into university mm. when you because that's all about independent learning and your own research. Um, do you think it's given you any study skills going into A-levels? Yeah, definitely, because... I have all this random knowledge. I have all this random knowledge, especially on Ireland and Germany. I just have extra bits of knowledge that I can put into essays. And even, you know, you have to know the conflict that you're writing about mm -hmm. to understand what's going on with women in the conflict. So you can't kind of learn about them separately. You have to know about both. So I knew the events of both of all the wars very in a lot of detail mm. and then kind of placed 
these other events into it. So I was looking at things being like, oh, that testimony is from 1923. Or like, and then I'd know this is what happened in that year. Yes. That meant this happened. Um, or this is why they were so violent. Or you, there's those elements. And I think that is what I've carried through. Is just, I, I know it very, very well now. Yeah. And you obviously feel very confident mm. in that in that knowledge, which yeah. is probably a benefit as well. Definitely. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. Uh, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Conversations with Ipswich School. And thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, ipswich.school. Now, the next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.